This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, They also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody. This is Comics Catch-Up, the show where Chris Sims, who is here, and I, Matt Wilson, we catch up 
on the comics that we missed the first time around, whether those comics came out 30 years ago or three years ago. This time, we're focusing on something more in the three-year range. Although I guess it was more like seven years ago that this book came out. Everything from seven years ago feels like it was three years ago. Yeah, because the last two don't count. Yeah, I was like, like you know how they put, just put out a, a second Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Uh, it feels like the first one just happened? Well, y- yes. Because if you'll remember, that was the last movie. Yes, I, we made a lot of jokes on Movie Fighters about how it was going to win a bunch of Oscars. Which it should have. They yeah. did some bullshit to get around that. Yeah, counting movies that came out on streaming. Okay. Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. That's what I said to you about that. That's Bush League. That's what that is. <laughs> but like, literally, I was uh, walking around today because I had to drop my car off at a uh, at a garage, and you know, I live in a city now, so things are in walking distance. Uh-huh. And I was listening to a popular comedy podcast. And they were talking about the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I was like, man, I can't believe that movie's out. Because the last one just came out. And it's like, well, it's been two years. That's like not that short a time for films. Yeah, that's that's reason that's a reasonable time frame. Yeah, I mean like that's like the Indiana Jones movies like hit like close to that, I think. I mean, look, we talked about on the latest episode of Friends Till the End, there were nine months between Child's Play 2 and Child's Play 3. That's quick. Yeah, that is quick. But two years? Reasonable. That, that's that's too quick. Yeah, you, believe me. Child's Play 3 shows it. Yeah. Horror, horror movies get cranked out, too. Or, or they used to. I don't know if they still do. Although, I guess there's fucking... Like six Annabelles, right? Uh, something like that. I mean, th- those are all like six Anna's Bell. I think there's only two or three Annabelles, but they're part of that broader. Uh, what is that movie franchise called? Uh, those, I believe it's the Charlatan Verse. The about those absolute liars. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the <laughs> it's the Converse, like the shoes. <laughs> the Converse. Yes, exactly right. The Converse is a good name for those. TM, TM, TM. Yeah. Uh, it's it's part of the broader Conjuring universe. About, oh, Converse works in so many ways, then. Yeah, about uh, absolute liars, Lorraine and Edward. Yeah. Anyway, we got we got way off the mark here. As we, we sometimes about. do. Yeah. We, wait, we're, did you have a point about Sonic other than just, like, time? No, it's just, like... like it, just that it feels like that movie just came out. And not only has it been over two years, we watched it, I think, over two years ago. Wow. Yeah. It it was, well, maybe closer to exactly two years ago. Because whenever it came on streaming, that's when we, that's when we did it. But Matt, anyway... Let me tell you something. something. This old highway is getting longer, Uh and there ain't no end in sight. (laughs) Life doesn't feel this damn old. Life is a highway, and I want to drive it home. (laughs) I I think I I won that one. 
You did. Here's the, here's the, if somebody was on Twitter was asking about your least favorite song, and that might be mine. Life is Life, a highway. Life is a highway. It's a boy. What about the cover of it that was in Cars? I don't know that because I never saw Cars. All right. We're talking about Zodiac Star Force. Which I can't out- wait. I can't wait for your birthday to get you a caricature artist drawing you driving down a highway with the caption "Life is a highway." You would do that. Zodiac Star Force came out originally the first series in uh, 2015. Yeah, that's and- what we're reading. By the way, that's yeah, what we caught up on. That's what we're catching up on. Uh, the second and- series, I think, was 2017. And we're doing both because that's all the Zodiac Star Force that exists. Yeah, which is uh, a bit surprising. And you you said that you knew why. Yeah, but I mean, the, before we get into that, I just want to say what's what did what did you say this this genre was called? Magical girls. <laughs> okay, N- never heard of it, but okay. I I guess I'll go along with it. Now I've seen everything. But it's like half Magical Girl, half Power Rangers. I mean, no, it's fully Magical Girl. <laughs> I've heard of Shoujo, but Maho Shoujo? Yeah, I, I mean, I, that is that is perhaps a distinction without a difference. Yeah, the only, I mean, there's a lot of thematic overlap between your uh, Tokusatsus and your Maho Shoujos. Yeah, it, I think it has more to do with just like... Their costume, their costumes feel more Power Rangery to me than than Sailor Mooney, but they're definitely more they're definitely more superhero uniformy, yeah, than the the kind of you know traditional frillier like ribbons and bows in yeah. the words of Casey Musgraves. I I think that maybe just by virtue of the fact that this is a Western comic series from Dark Horse Comics uh, that that explains that. But nonetheless, um, these two miniseries are written by Kevin Panetta and have art by uh, Paulina Ganeshow, who, wow, like Paulina, Paulina Ganeshow really knocks out the art on these books. There's a a like a cover blurb on one of these that's like. Uh, as pretty as all get out. And like, that's true. It's a fucking pretty book. It is beautifully drawn. I love the colors, the art, the brightness of it. Here's the thing. Paulina Ganeshow is doing all of it. Yeah. She does the art. She does the color with assists by Savannah Ganeshow, who I assume is a relative of some kind. And also letters, the book, yeah, I didn't realize that she had also done the lettering, which is good, uh, yeah. except for the bit that's the the red letters on black balloons, which is and even then she that's that is a thick bold face type that is given to uh, Samaria. That's yes, I mean it's not unreadable. No, 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 by any stretch. So here's what happened, Chris. There are two series. Of Zodiac Star Force. There's the original four issues Zodiac Star Force, and then there's Zodiac Star Force Cries of the Fire Prince. The first miniseries, pretty self contained. It ends pretty decisively. 
Then Cries of the Fire Prince ends on a very dramatic cliffhanger. Like, clearly they were planning for another series. Yeah. Because Cries of the Fire Prince just ends. Well, it's they. it doesn't just end. They deal with the... The villain is dealt with. Yeah, but it, like also, he's he's clearly not the the real villain. Oh no, Matt. See you. You're not familiar with the concept of a double queen because <laughs> you have not spent time in the Sailor Moon mines like I have. Uh, th- that's fair. But yes, the villain is dealt with. He's sent back to Samaria and called a loser. But. In the process of him being sent back, there are other complications that that clearly mean there's more story. Yeah. Here, here's here's it's the thing. Not, it's a fucking bummer. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's the thing. Sometime around 2017, what's weird is um, a lot of the kind of evidence of this has been deleted from the internet. Or or at least specifically when it comes to Zodiac Star Force. There's a tweet from Paulina Ganeshow where uh, she links to a Kevin Panetta tweet that's been deleted. Where I think Kevin Panetta was describing what happened. Um, but that, that that tweet is deleted, so... I can't tell you what that says. Howdy, everybody. This is Matt coming to you from the future. As I'm editing this episode, there was a chunk of the episode that I had to cut out because I referenced a court case that was totally different, filed by somebody completely different against Disney uh, over ownership of different zodiac type things that apparently had nothing to do with the zodiac star Star force case based on what i could find i have made pretty sure that zodiac star force was brought to an end because of a lawsuit the zodiac star force case i have found some legal documentation of Uh, it took place in the district of oregon the federal district court in oregon it looks like it was appealed it looks like it went on forever and uh, it definitely is the case we're talking about here, I'm quite certain. Um, if you're interested, I will link to the opinion that I found, uh, which is just a PDF basically recommending dismissing the whole thing because the plaintiff who brought it, who I won't name here, but again, you can look at the document, filed all kinds of lawsuits about about the same topic again seeming to claim ownership of the concept of the zodiac uh it, it still doesn't quite shed light on why it led to the f- fact that there's no more zodiac star force but it does kind of show how uh, much of a nuisance lawsuit the thing actually was so i will link to that and uh, and you can look at it if you are so inclined, but that, I believe, is the case from mid to late 2017 is when it looks like uh, it took place. Anyway, here's me from the past again and Chris. 
it's hard to track down any of this stuff because it wasn't really covered. All I know is that there was a lawsuit and it ended the book. That sucks. Yeah. Because, I mean, spoiler warning, this book's good. It really sucks. I, I wish I could find more information about the lawsuit and how it happened and why it happened. I mean, like, like there is, there is, like, obviously this is a book that wears its influences on its sleeve pretty hard, right? Yeah. But, I mean, like, there is nothing in here that is is infringing on anything I have seen in my time down in the Maho Shoujo mines. I mean, this this is definitely a situation where I think some unpublished work or something that doesn't exist as as published, someone was claiming that this stole from that. Or yeah. this was this had too many similarities to that. And I mean, it's just, it's obvious bullshit. (laughs) Spotty. I don't know why it wasn't covered particularly well. Uh, Well, I mean, it happened in 2017, Matt, and the last comics news site uh, fired us all in in May of 2017. So that's true. Uh, Maybe that, I I don't even know if we would have known about it though. Almost uh, certainly not. Comics Alliance, because it doesn't seem like it was particularly well publicized. The Kevin Panetta tweet, so the Paulina Ganeshaw tweet that links to Kevin Panetta's. So what Paulina Ganeshaw said was, if you've ever wondered what really happened to Zodiac Star Force, my heart is broken from this. ZS meant the world to me. It still hurts to think about it. Sometimes I worry I won't ever make anything of the same personal value. I hope you stick around to see what other stories I have to tell. And that was from June 2021. So it doesn't seem like she or Kevin Panetta were really talking about it until like last year. Wow. Yeah. Kevin Panetta, all the Kevin Panetta stuff is gone. It's it's not – you can't even see those tweets anymore. So I, I don't know if like a lawyer told – well, apparently he deleted his uh, Twitter. So that's why. But – or he's not on Twitter anymore. Smart. What I can tell. Smart. You know what? I can't blame him. Um, it's a bad website. But all any of that information is is gone. Is lost. So I wish I knew all the details of this. I'm probably going to bleep out or remove the name I said earlier because <laughs> I don't know if it's that same author. That's a bummer. Yeah, like a lot of comics uh, end for a lot of reasons, but it definitely seems like this one should have. Th- this one book was like fairly, like at least in in our corner of the internet, like fairly popular, and we we even had people telling us, like you know, oh, you should read this, you will like it. So definitely, there are people out there who are fans. It reminds me a lot of what happened with us and uh, when I launched my comic. It's all going to be all right. And you <laughs> launched that loss, that nuisance lawsuit against me. I know. For uh, some reason. I'm I've, I've, notoriously litigious. Yeah. Surprisingly, though, Zodiac Star Force 
is still for sale. They can't make more of it, but the two series you can buy on the Dark Horse website right now. Can you get them digitally? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Because if it was print, it would just be like they have a print run still, but nope. they're they're all on there to buy digitally right now. Complicated, buddy. Complicated. That said, it's a good series. It's very fun. Chris, I would like for you to guess who my favorite member of the team is. Uh, Kim. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah. Kim, the one who just really wants to get the team back together and also wants to be a pro wrestler. And loves to fight. And loves to fight and and has like a cool punk vest as part of her uniform. Cool punk vest, great haircut, uh, just a great friend, and also has no romance drama at all. Like everybody else has romance drama. Has a nice boyfriend. (laughs) And she just has a great loving relationship. Mm, ah, Beautiful. I, I mean, look, I like all the other members too, but Kim... Kim is like honed in to be uh, somebody. <laughs> I'm like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a weird thing, like a weird specific thing to realize that I really like in a character. I really like it when a character does the thing where they have bangs and you can't see their eyes. It's a great gimmick. It's a it's a fun thing that you can only do in like animation and comics. Like it's it's a fun bit. Yeah, it's a good look. Like yeah. everything about Kim is like she's going to be my fave. Uh, yeah, that's just how it goes. I like all the the little different touches. To all of their uniforms, like we talked about Kim's punk vest. Savvy's baseball cap is the wildest thing I have ever seen in my life. It's good. I I, I like all the yes, all the little touches to the uniforms are are really good. And that first series, that first Zodiac Star Force series, because what we are told at the beginning is that they haven't been Zodiac Star Force in Two years, right? Two years, yeah. They're in there. I think they're in their senior year now, and they first got their Zodiac Star Force stuff when they, they they say when they were freshmen. Uh, and so they did whatever it was, and then two years went by, and then we start up, which is the natural. Like, it, like this is a. It's not a deconstructionist magical girl story. It's not like a, a, a what do you call it a, a Madoka style thing. It's the kind of, like, postmodern Magical Girl story, I guess, where it, like a lot of superhero stories of its type, it kind of takes the genre stuff as a given and asks the, like, next logical question, which is, okay, so what do you do after the season's over? Like, what do you do after you beat Queen Beryl or whatever? And... I like that the answer in this is like for those two years is like nothing. 
like like they were there to serve a purpose they did and and then the next bad guys never showed up and in particular the goddess who made them zodiac star force astra just never got back in touch with them yeah she just she ghosted them <laughs> Yeah, and I really like that there are there are hints, and I, I like the different ways that all the like characters look back on that time too. Because like we we talked about Kim, Kim really wants to put the team back together because it does. Like Kim seems like she really liked the rest of the team, and like they just don't hang out anymore. And also, her home life sucks. Yeah, and her like, and her home life sucks as we find out later. Yeah, like. Like she has a great boyfriend and a loving relationship, but her parents are terrible. Yeah, and don't support her, and don't like when she says she wants to be a pro wrestler. They you tell her she should get a real job. Yeah, and look, I you know I've heard that before, and I, I wait. You've heard you've heard don't be a pro wrestler. You've heard get a real job. I've heard get a real job. Because okay. uh, if it was the former, Matt, that was something I did not know about you that I needed to know everything about. No, it was more like, I want to be a, a writer or I want to be an artist of some kind. You might probably going to have to get a real job. And so yeah. I get, also I can relate to Kim. Yeah. No, I, th- I think, look, both of us are people who decided we wanted to be writers. I, I don't think this is any something we've ever talked about with each other, but I'm assuming you also s- decided at a young age that this was where your life was going. I think I went, th- I bounced through a lot of different, like, acting and performing and different types of artistic jobs that I wanted to do, but I always wanted to be an artist of some kind. Yeah. When I was really little, I wanted to be an actor. The first job I ever wanted was game show host. Yeah, which you would be fantastic at. And then I moved on to actor because I did some plays when I was really little. And then I sort of swerved into writer-comedian after that. But yeah, I mean, it's always been that. Yeah, ever since I was really little, it was going to be some kind of artistic thing, for sure. Yeah. And I guess for you, it was writer from the get-go. Yeah, it was writer. It was writer from the age of twelve. From fucking the summer, like the summer I turned twelve, like ninety-four, baby. <laughs> lot, lot, lot went down in old nineteen ninety-four. Um, but like Kim misses her friends, and it's not like they, you know, had a falling out. It's just they don't have the the club they were in doesn't exist anymore. You know. And, and uh, they went on to their own lives, and and they're different people, and they're different like, people because it because they were they were fourteen and now they're seventeen. It, yeah, and also like they they run in different circles. Yeah, like it was clearly very invested in doing well in school. Yeah, because the first thing we do see her doing is studying. Yeah, Emma slash Gemini. Uh, Kim is is like. Kind of like a punk rock girl and an athlete, sort of. She's on the volleyball team, and she's because she's t- she's also tall, which is another thing that you and I like in like in our team characters is who's the tall one. Molly is very into 
like social stuff. Yeah, Molly seems like she is the she was the popular one of the of the four of them. I mean, it seems like Emma should be too, but it, it, well, Emma's presented as being very like bookish and smart. It seems like Emma should be, but like based on what we find out, I feel like Emma might have been and then stopped. Yeah, possibly. I I there's some sense that I think that Emma and Molly were the closest friends. Yeah. Maybe. And then Savvy is also kind of sporty, I guess. She has the hat. Uh and also she's gay and does people don't necessarily know that yet. Well, she's she's at least we don't know that if she's gay. We know that she's dating a shitty boy that she then breaks up with and like for the the girl that is on like page 8 of the first issue that you're like okay yeah this is this is what this is. She she the whole first series, the first mini series is her and Lily falling in love and then Lily becoming a member of the team which is very good. Yeah. Yeah, Lily becoming a member of the team is is good. Yeah, it's it's very possible that Savvy is is bi and not totally just gay but whatever the case the the lily savvy love story is an absolute key component to yeah the first miniseries so you've got so you've got emma or you've got you've got kim who misses her friends molly seems like when we see her it seems like it's like oh yeah that's the thing i used to do and it's not like in a in a bad way it's just like yeah i did that and it's done and now i do other things which is wild the most over it yeah she's over it which i think is good there's uh savvy who thinks it was fun because it is right and then there's emma who does not think it was fun because people died, right. which is Emma, also true. Emma, who's like Emma, who also kind of I think better than anybody else understands that they've been used. Yeah, and that there's that there is a price that they paid. That, which is the kind of like Madoka thing, right? Yeah. Of like. There is a price to all of this. And and what I find really interesting is how this series does not shy away from the fact that like these godlike beings are calling these teenagers to be their kind of like avatars, representatives, whatever. And they're kind of just doing it for sport, you know? Like yeah. Astra and Samaria are in conflict with each other, but like it's not like Astra's really the good one. Yeah, Astra's good by default. Yeah, in that she like like Samaria wants to like destroy the world or take over the world. Astra Astra wants to maintain the status quo. Astra wants to stop that, and so she'll use these teenagers to to that end, but she also kind of doesn't care what happens to the teenagers. And that really comes to the forefront in the second series where there's a lot of talk about like Astra specifically picking young people to be her soldiers. And like, you get the idea 
like when Lily becomes, I, I, I do want to talk about this because it pulls a trick that Sailor Moon also pulls, but it does it in a way that I think makes like, like is actually a better reveal because there's four of them. And then obviously one of them becomes a fifth one at the, at the end of the first series, Lily becomes the, the fifth one. She becomes uh Libra. Yeah, because uh, Emma's Emma's Gemini, Molly's Taurus, Savannah no, is Ki- Pisces. Uh, Kim's Taurus. Kim's Taurus. Uh, Savvy is which one? Pisces. Uh, Pisces, yeah. And Molly is Aries. Molly is, I believe, uh, this one I should know because I can see her. Yeah, Molly's Aries. I can see her Superman logo. <laughs> and like, if you're counting, you might be thinking, "Hey, aren't there twelve? Are there 12 of those signs? And there are. So the second story, the second story does what Sailor Moon does when it introduces Sailor Neptune, Sailor Uranus, Sailor Pluto, and Sailor Saturn, which is that, like, yeah, there's no, like, it's only five because that's how many is easy to write. <laughs> like, that's the, that's a good number. Hot tip, if you're ever writing a team book, five. That's what you want to do. Four or five. Four or five, yeah. But, like, five's good because it's not, like, it's an odd number. You get to have, like, you know, you, you like, somebody can be the wild card in it. Like, you get your, like, like an adventuring party, more than five and things start to get complicated. Source, I wrote an X-Men comic one time. <laughs> well, I, like, my one complaint about the first series, which I think the second series does a little bit of a neater job with, just because we already know these characters. My my complaint about the first series is too many characters. It is like that it has that many characters and also their entire origin story is like over and done with like their entire 50 episode first arc of, I, of Zodiac Star Force season one. I appreciate that. I appreciate, I appreciate that. We see yeah. it, 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 gives what's happening now more meaning and it gives you a story you can do in a flashback series later if this series could have continued. Yeah. But I I do think us being introduced to the five members of the team or the four members of the team plus the Lily who's gonna be the fifth and everybody else in the school and like all the villains and like, it's just a lot. Of, like, I have a hard time keeping up with names as it is. Yeah, it, they have names and they have code names. It's just, it's just a lot of characters. Yeah, the 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 reveal that there are not only like like the the other seven of them, but that someone in that group died, and that's why Lily becomes Libra. Yeah, because because that position was open is a really like it is not a thought that entered my mind in the first series until it was brought up in the second. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Well, what I also find really interesting about the Zodiac Star Force UK, <laughs> uh-huh. which is Zodiac Caliber, Zodiac Caliber, yeah, is that not only are they like in some ways kind of like better trained and more capable (laughs) 
than than the Zodiac Star Force from Virginia, which is where they are. They're in Alexandria, Virginia. Also, like their costumes are so not magical girl. Yeah. They look like Zodiac Star Force UK looks like modern like or not even modern, but like 2010s, like 2008 to 2014 superheroes. They all have, they have color coded jackets with logos on them, in and kind of like jumpsuits. They, they they look like a like a Star Trek design. Well, almost. it's they're everybody's not everybody's, but like they're they're so many people's uh, character redesigns from the late two thousands. Yeah, we're right? just like. We we need these costumes to be functional. Yeah, and they're not like the not like the 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 good ones, you know. Because I think the good ones that we got, like like Batgirl and like Spider Woman, like those had some flair to them. This is very much like these are uniforms, yeah. and they are like they are meant to look like older superheroes, which I think really works. I think that's a good bit. Yeah, and, and the way they operate fits into that, too. Yeah. They have, They're very tactical. Yeah, they have cool shoes, too. They they do have cool shoes. But they don't have the, you know, we talked about Savvy's baseball cap and uh, Kim's vest. The other team doesn't have that, which I think is really interesting because we get, like, the very individualized costumes for the the main girls but then like the people who have been around longer they are a team and that is what they are yeah yeah which i think is very interesting so i didn't say specifically what the cliffhanger was uh at the end of the second series i'll say specifically what it is now what happens is when the fire prince gets pulled back to the world where he's from, the world where Samaria is, the dark dimension or whatever you want to call it. Molly and a member of the Zodiac Star Force UK team get pulled in there with him. So they're separated from everybody else, and that's how everything ends. Yeah. And that, again, that's a, that's a shame. Because <laughs> it's more than clear that this was going to continue like they were going to get out of there um but 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 was not to be was not to ever be told that story and the interestingly the last uh, image we see is of the pet turtle uh hellboy uh-huh. savvy's pet turtle hellboy yeah who says uh-oh cuz you know that might as well be to be continued. Yeah. I'm really wondering if the if the pet turtle is a reference to the live-action Sailor Moon show that we are covering right now on Sailor Business Diamond, the podcast uh, maybe, I do with Betty Fallon. Maybe it is. I wonder if its name Hellboy is a reference to Hellboy. Yeah, that, that one I think is probably – you're probably onto something there. But uh, Motoki in – the the guy who runs the arcade, uh, we have been referring to him uh, almost exclusively as the Turtle Himbo uh-huh. in in uh, on Sailor Business because he has a pet turtle named Kamikichi, which means lucky turtle, 
and uh, like he is obsessed with it. And so it's like, all like close-ups of this turtle whenever the main characters are not around. It's very good. That is very good. Uh, when did the live action series? 2003. Oh, so this would def- could definitely yeah. be a reference to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, could very well be. Um, so. Oh, I one think- thing that, uh, one last thing that I wanted to bring up because I, I got close to it, but didn't actually say it. It is, it is not clear. We, we find out that Emma's mom is dead on like very early on in the first series. Yeah. It is not clear to me. And I don't know if you agree with me on this. If she died as a result of Samaria. I think it's strongly implied. It's implied for sure, but I don't think it's whatever happened without saying it. Emma blames herself. Yes. Which I think is really interesting. And one of the big gut punch moments in the first series is that um, Emma ends up meeting with Samaria who tries to tell her, Hey, Aster doesn't actually care about you. Yeah. She's never cared about you. And you're just collateral for her. But I can really help you. I can bring your mom back. And that's that's like good villain shit. Yeah. That's like that good, like, the villain has a point kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's it, it really tempts Emma to, like, almost decide to come over to Samaria's side, even though, you know, in the end she says no. But Because yeah. one of the few things that we actually see Astro do is refuse to save Emma's life. And she says it in, like, what are not cruel Cause terms. Because Emma is dying through the whole first yeah. series. Like the she, only gets, way... she gets infected with, like, monster juice in the first yeah. issue. Evil monster juice. And it, she's got this, like, infection through the whole uh, first series that she's hiding for a long time, but she can't hide for too long. But like, she's like, the only way to save her is to open a portal to the dark dimension and go stop whatever it is at the source. And I'm not going to let you do that because if, like that will endanger the world. And I won't let you endanger the entire world just for the sake of one of you. Yeah. And that's like blunt, but it is like, it's still, Technically, technically, it's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, right? Yep. But it comes off as like really uncaring, and so th- there is this really well done mystery of like, does Astra care at all, or is she like, is she like, does she care? And she is a remote goddess that is like just hard to understand because that could be it. It's I it's mean, I, it reads to me as as pragmatism right yeah like astra is a pragmatist as astra is going to do whatever she has to do to protect the status quo and protect what she considers peace and if one girl one teenager dies because she's infected with dark dimension juice it's too bad that's too bad but saving her the, the cure is going to be worse than the disease, so we're just not going to do it. Yeah, which is it's it, 
it's interesting. Again, like this is all stuff that I would have really loved to see explored because it's all stuff that like, is she, is she evil or not? It's, we don't know. I, you know? I, I think evil is certainly, I think probably not there, but like, is she neutral? Is she, does she care about life at all? Or is she only interested in God stuff? Yeah. And there's like also a lot of stuff brought up in that uh, second arc about like the, the people talking about her recruiting children and like, yeah. like using teens as her soldiers. Uh, and it's like that, that could be, that could go in a really sinister direction. And I don't know if it was going to or not. Uh, but I think it like, it is intentionally, the question is raised to be sinister. And it's, I think that's, it's really, it's a really well-told story. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of potential there that will very sadly never be realized. Yeah. I would be curious, like, obviously they shouldn't, but I would be really curious if, uh, Kevin Panetta and Polina Genesho like were to talk about what they would have done if they got to finish it. Like I would be very curious to know. Yeah. I wonder what the legal issues there would be. Uh, and, and if they could ever potentially talk about it, because I would love to hear what could have been. Yeah. Same. All right, Chris, it's an interesting case for the Every Story Ever list. We've ranked some unfinished stories before, but we have to take into account that this is unfinished, I think. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Yeah. And I think we can agree that these two miniseries are one thing, right? They're all one story. Yeah, I, I think we can definitely. If we were only ranking the first one, I think we could rank that as a complete story in itself. But I, I think like we should rank them together, and I think it makes sense to count it all as one. You know? Yeah, because because if you rank the first miniseries as its own story, then what do you do with the second one? Right. Then what what do you do? Which is at best half a story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I okay. So how do we weigh this out? How do we weigh this out of like it's really good but it's unfinished and will never be finished. It's 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 a tough one, man. We've done some books that fall into that category. Uh but I think this might fare better than those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Unfortunately, Desolation Jones, which mm-hmm. is at 1071, I think this is definitely going to go higher than that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, it certainly does more with what it has. <laughs> Agreed. It feels more complete. Where do you think? Well, it's, it's weird because, like, I don't feel like, even though we've got 1,300 comics on here, I don't know if we've got a lot of stuff that is... Not to be like I, I do not mean this in any kind of bad way, but but it is kind of a genre pastiche, right? But it's good. It's it's it. 
pastiche sounds so bad, but it is like using the elements of the genre and taking them as given. And that's kind of what a pastiche is. But like, I, yeah, but I feel like pastiche implies that it's sending up or making fun of. Yeah, it, it's certainly like building on those ideas as foundational rather than just kind of like repeating them. And it's and it's not. I, I don't think at any point is it making fun of magical girls or tokusatsu or any of that. No, absolutely not. Like I think it like I think it very much embraces uh, what it's doing. I think it's trying to ask some deeper questions about those genre tropes, which is I think is very cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like we have a lot of things that do that, at least in the way of like doing it well. That yeah. we have like on this list, you know. I mean, <laughs> we have tons of stuff that I would consider to to be that sort of second level superhero story. It, to not use the term pastiche, let's say we'll call it like second level, where it's like examining all the tropes and and ideas of a genre without needing to introduce them, and so so it can go deeper. Yeah. Um, we have tons of that in regards to superheroes, but maybe not in regards to other genres. Yeah. Like, like uh, I said that and then I was like, well, unless you count like all comics since like 1960. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's that, that, that makes it tough, man. It really does. All right. I'm just going to start. At number five hundred, which is forever people number one, for it like that's that's a tough one because there is no shame in not being as good as Jack Kirby, but forever people is my least favorite uh, of the fourth world stuff. Right, like it is the it is the one that I would not like literally a friend of ours was like, where do I start with the fourth world? And I, I almost told him, well, I mean, you're going to have to read forever people at some point. Like that's where dark side shows up first. Yeah. I mean, it's still a Jack Kirby book, you know, like it's still good. I don't know, man. Tough. I would say I, I enjoy this more than I enjoy forever people. Number one. Okay. You know, I can, I can tell you that. How does it rank against Gotham Academy, which we have at 492? Gotham Academy's better. I think. Like, almost purely by virtue of being finished, uh, unfortunately, you know? I I think that gives us a very reasonable area of the list to put this in, and a very manageable list of things to go through. Chase is at 493. Chase is another one that I would say, like, kind of pastiche, but in a good way, applies. Yeah. Superhero Spy. Yeah. Pastiche. Uh, Mr. Miracle number one is at 494. That's a good comic, Matt. Yep, that's a good comic. That's a good, but it's not the best issue. But it's a good comic. But it's a good comic. What's what's at 495? Action Comics Volume 2, numbers 14 through 18, Superman at the End of Days. It's also pretty good. God. 496 is Astonishing X-Men. You know what? I would say this is better. Talk about a book that relies on a lot of uh, 
of what you know. Having read a bunch of comics before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're going to put all of Zodiac Star Force at the new number 496 on the list, which I think is very solid placement. Yeah. For this book that will sadly only ever be eight issues long. And I would love to know the full story of what exactly happened legally to prevent this book from continuing, because I've been able to find very limited information about it. Again, I really wish someone had covered it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, with, with stuff like this, though, to be entirely fair... There is, like, th- there is always a chance that there is only so much that can be legally put out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose that lawsuit could still be going on. Yeah. This many years later. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that's why it's not being talked about anywhere, but. Boy, it I would I really want to know the details of of what actually happened uh, as far as the legal stuff. All I know for sure is there was legal stuff having yeah. to do with using the zodiac. Ridiculous! Absolutely. Well, if, ridiculous. If, it, if you want to go after somebody, there's a guy sending like weird cryptic messages and killing people. That's who you should be suing. Yeah, a U.S. senator. <laughs> yeah. Of all people, unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, you know, he might be the guy who was sued. Actually, <laughs> could be because I heard right. that he just hates everything that is good. That's you ain't kidding. Yeah, that is it for our comics catch up uh, for April. Uh, we'll be back in May with more catching up. If you have a recommendation for a comic you would like for us to catch up on on uh, this monthly show. Email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at warrocketpod or get in touch with us on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com or get on our Discord, contact me, us, in one of the ways I just said, and uh, and get on our Discord and tell us something to read for Comics Catch-Up. Uh, hopefully we'll have a poll for Comics Catch-Up in May unless we come across something in our every story ever special where we're like, we should just read that (laughs) like we did with this book. It happens. It happens. Uh, You can support this show by going to patreon.com slash warrocket Ajax and kicking in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we keep doing comics, catch up every story ever the regular weekly Ajax, as well as movie fighters and snack situation. Those things are all made possible by your support over on Patreon. And, uh, if you want to follow me specifically, you could go to mattdwilson.net to find links to uh, to all my stuff, my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my uh, social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to the things that I do uh, and things that I write. Uh, I am uh, writing some stuff at the Warrocket Ajax Patreon that you can find. Uh, probably be another one of those in the next couple of days, uh, part of the Castlemania series. But uh, until then, I've been writing online quite a bit for the past 17 years, so find stuff. 
and enjoy it, if you wish. See you in May, everybody, with uh, a new a new comic to catch up on. Yeah. Uh, until then, uh, this was a good one. This was a very good one. And Matt, uh, good catching up.